Welcome to From Beyond, a podcast about consciousness, metaphysics, and a wide variety of provocative spiritual topics. I'm Michael Vodder, and I'm here with Universal Channel author and spiritual consultant Cindy Riggs. Cindy has been practicing professionally for 20 years, and she has a unique and fascinating perspective on spirituality. Let's talk about health and the mind, so the connection between our physical health and the mental states that we experience. Love to. I see a lot of this because I have clients that come to see me and they have this strange chronic pain or um, something that they've had all kinds of medical testing and all the tests come back you know, negative or whatever, mm-hmm. saying that there is nothing wrong. But they feel this pain or they feel this discomfort or they're having trouble with eating or sleeping or whatever it is and it can't be explained. So um, often people don't even realize there is a connection to the mind. So maybe mm. we need to start there because um, sure there's plenty of materials out there that explain this body-mind connection. Right, it's been a hot topic um, for has decades been a hot topic. now. Yeah, but does, it, does anybody really know what that means? Like, oh, I have this, this thing um, let's use lower back pain, for instance. Um, so I've got this lower back pain. Uh, it's been chronic for a few years. Um, and so I would immediately go to the energy system. First of all, it has been, I believe it's been scientifically proven. It's certainly written about uh, in plenty of places that we have an emotional body, a mental body, and a physical body. Now, the emotional body is closest to the physical body, and then the mental body is a little further out in our auric field. So when we have a thought that is fearful or negative and we keep thinking it, it starts to use up, let's say, the fuel in that mental body. So imagine like an elliptical or an oval-shaped field around your body that is your mental body. And that, it's like it uses up fuel. Hmm. So because our thoughts are energy. So we need energy to fuel them. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And, I mean, neurons require energy to that's fire. Right. right, right. So when we keep thinking about this thing, let's say we're worrying about something. Worrying, when, once we have used up all of the energy in the mental body, then we move closer into the emotional body to start pulling from there to, to finance the worry. Ah, I see. Does that make sense? Okay, so it's so like, we've used up the first bank account. Now we're getting into the second one. Right. And then we're using all that up. Then where do we get that energy from for the worry? We have to get it to go to the physical body. Interesting. And that usually happens through the chakras that could be the seven main chakras or could be anywhere. But um, so let's say it's lower back pain. That may be a sacral chakra issue, which is the second chakra just above below the navel but just above the tailbone and that area of the body is about money and security and also creativity but that's when I would ask the person so does your worry have something to do with money Hmm. and it often does now there is another technique I can do but I want to talk about that later so okay so also uh, the chakras are thought of as sort of energy uh, vortices like pathways between the energy bodies right yes yes so they intersect the physical body at the crown the third eye right between the eyebrows the throat the heart 
the solar plexus above the navel, the sacral below the navel, and then the root at the right. base of the tailbone. And the idea also is that there are infinite vortices or chakras that could be observed, but that those are the main seven. Right, these are the main seven yeah, that, that are recognized so. in most texts and yeah. literature. Um, and yet, yes, they're not just the physical body vortexes or vortices, they are connected to that energy system. But that's ancillary to the story because really we were talking about the different energy bodies and mental, the mental energy mental. body and how if we uh, are, if we're overwhelming our mental energy body. Mm -hmm. um, With too much thought or worry about something. That can then cause problems in the other energy bodies. That's right. So now somebody who uh, isn't used to all this talk about energy bodies right. <laughs> might, uh, might just want to think of this as uh, you you overwhelm yourself by thinking the same thing over and over again, right? It's like yes. it's like a computer. Uh, if you if you open up the activity monitor on your Mac or mm -hmm. the uh, I forget what it's called on PC, where you can see um, what the CPU is being used for, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, sometimes you have a runaway process. Yeah. It just it keeps it just keeps cycling and it crashes your computer because the same yep. like Microsoft Word is like trying to do something stupid and it's just like looping. Right. Uh, that is kind of what can happen to the mental body. I believe you're so. We are so much like a computer. <laughs> we really are. No, our brain is the hard drive. You know, like yes, that is what I'm saying. So mm -hmm. if we keep inputting into that mental body system the data over and over and over, yeah, it's gonna take up space. It's going to use up that, not disk space, but it's <laughs> gonna use up that. The, the computing power. Yes. So now that impacts physical health, you're saying, because uh, then that activity needs more energy and it draws from the body. Yes, it draws from then the emotional body. Sometimes the mental and emotional happen very quickly together especially if it's negative or fearful, and then it starts to attack the physical body. Because So I tend to think of um, the emotional body, uh, or just, I, I tend to think of these things in, in as psychological realities or, or constructs, right? like the emotional body as sort of the part of your psyche that processes emotion, mm -hmm. okay, or that is emotion. The part of your psyche, like in your brain? Uh, or so by psyche, I don't mean the brain specifically. I mean okay. just your, uh, uh, just your consciousness, everything mm -hmm. you are, and mm -hmm. your unconsciousness. Right. Right. Just mm -hmm. you. You're, you are your psyche. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, and so when I think of the emotional body, um, I don't usually use that language. I think of okay. just um, the emotional aspect of your psyche, right? And so mm -hmm. in in my view, experience, whatever, mm -hmm. the emotional um, aspects of whatever problem you're stewing over mentally mm -hmm. are like, they're totally intertwined, right? So yes. whenever there's a, a runaway process, if you will, in the mental body, the, the mind, the, the conscious um, computing aspect mm -hmm. of your psyche, mm -hmm. Uh, there's an attached emotion often right right because if you're if you're stewing over something it's for a reason and right there's definitely going to be emo an emotion immediately yeah right and so those emotions then um, if you look at a traditional Chinese medicine or Ayurveda mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or any of the 
ancient um, healing uh, texts, mm-hmm. um, the the traditions that we have, the emotions are usually associated with specific physical um, organs, right? Or right, right. areas of the body or right. disease processes. Exactly. So why and is I, that? Talk well, about that. Well, and I'm not, and uh, it's actually called an oriental body specialist. I'm not, I'm one of those okay. people, but... Um, and I haven't studied all those systems, okay. but the chakras are a good way of a general like idea. Because honestly, if somebody has something happen physically, there is usually an emotional component that's been going on for a while. This is not something that's immediate. Um, you know, like and nothing just comes out of nowhere. Hmm. So I first try to look at the chakra, but it's not my job to diagnose. My job is to try to get their mind in a different place so that they can switch that system. Now, I want to back up a little bit because I came up with another analogy while you were talking about that. Um, Cell phone, smartphone. Cool. Let's say you're texting, texting, texting all day long, emailing, texting. You're using up space. Okay. Right? And so you're texting everybody your problem, telling them all the story, and now you're running out of space to play music or to take a phone call, or to even take like a picture. Like space on your phone. like Right, space yeah. on your phone, like gotcha. storage space on your phone. So if you're thinking, thinking, talking, worrying, <laughs> fretting, mm-hmm. you're actually not gonna be able to take a picture. Yeah. Because you've used up all your space with all that other stuff. You've only got so much space, and so much of it happens below the surface too, unconsciously. Mm-hmm. You can have runaway mm-hmm. processes yeah, uh, that are unconscious. Of course, and that oftentimes thing. we do that on purpose. We shove our um, our runaway processes down because we don't want to think about them. Right? That's right. Why would we? <laughs> right. We we put we try to put them on the back burner. We try to ignore them or we depress them. And, and those behaviors we... are socialized too. Like we're taught mm-hmm. to totally. do that. Like. We're taught to, to not cry, to, to make it through the work day, to totally. make it through the school day, whatever it is. Right. To, to basically bottle up everything. That... I know. I know. It's um, our, our country especially, the U.S. especially, because I've traveled to a lot of countries, and it's, it's not the case mm. everywhere. Yeah. It's a little more... Uh, it's a little more accepted to express emotion. Mm-hmm. Because it's been said that when you don't express emotion, when when you have, let's say you have something traumatic happen to you, mm-hmm. you have some kind of traumatic experience, and you feel an intense emotion, mm-hmm. obviously, like mm-hmm. that's what we're designed to do. We, we feel that emotion as a way of uh, marking that traumatic experience and mm-hmm. sort of <laughs> right. experiencing it fully. You Otherwise, sure do. It's like a bookmark. We wouldn't know that it happened. It's just like you, you feel pain so that you know not to do whatever it is you're doing. That's right. Right? Like, um, so avoid that, avoid that situation. Don't put your hand on the stove. That's why you feel on. grief when something uh, really bad happens so mm-hmm. that you can, you know, it's, it's adaptive to have that feeling. Yeah. It's not adaptive to shove it down and never process it. That's right. Right. That's because, absolutely right. And then when somebody's going through the death of a family member, people are say, well, oh, she handled it so well. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> she just, just didn't show her emotion? Yeah. Or, oh, my gosh, that's not handling it well. Mm-hmm. That person should be hysterical at the funeral. That's how they're handling it well. Right. <laughs> but then there's another piece that makes this more complicated. 
in that um, a person who knows a lot about this, I will use myself as an example. Okay. Um, because I understand that every thought is a choice, I can actually override my actual emotions with mm. thought and then not even realize that there's an emotion there. Oh, yeah. Ha. So mm. that's something I have to be aware of. It's like I have to really get present and say, how do I really feel about this? Because we can choose to feel about it a certain way. Right. And if we're overriding it and not processing it, we may be stuffing it. Yeah, we. I think we get very... We... we <laughs> we um, become very skilled at lying to ourselves. Yeah, we like, do. Unconsciously, and it's hard to pick up on. You know what, it's uh, a lot of people say, oh, it'd be cool to be able to read minds. And as a psychic, I don't read minds mm-hmm. um, necessarily. Sometimes things come up, but I don't think I'd want to because I think if we knew the way we talked to ourselves, like if we could hear everybody else and ourselves, wow. Yeah. Because that's, th- that's the person we're talking the most negatively to or toward. Right. Is our own selves. Just self-judgment and, and sabotage and like punishment. Right. And again, both consciously and unconsciously. Right. right. A lot of times, right. like you may not think that you're having all that negative self-talk, but you're, you're seeing things and having an internal reaction mm-hmm. that is entirely negative that facilitates a a super negative dynamic in your emotional or physical health. That's right. Even if you're walking down the street and somebody's wearing the same shirt you're wearing, (laughs) and then you're like, oh, he looks better in that than I do. And you may not consciously say that to yourself. No, you're not not saying that. You just see it, and that happens. That thought process happens under the surface. Yeah, Yeah. I know. Why are we taught that? But we were. And so now it's time to unlearn some of that, Mm -hmm. and that's what I help people to do. And how do you help people to do that, Cindy? That's a nice transition because we don't want to just sit here and commiserate about (laughs) (laughs) our messed up society. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right. What what do we then do about it? Well, it depends on the situation. First, it depends on how much anxiety the person's having, what's going on in their life. Often I will use hypnosis. I will use energy work. But more, more importantly, I have to try to encourage them to meditate, do yoga, do something that is a practice where they can commune with their true self Hmm. or become more connected with their soul or their spirit or their true self or their true essence, whatever you want to call it. Right, because that will facilitate mindfulness. It will. And mindfulness allows people to connect more with their experience. It's it's harder to... Right. um, It's really easy to bottle things up and to... shove useful emotions down when you're in a state of of of, uh what's the word for non-mindfulness yeah well (laughs) distractedness disconnectedness disconnectedness distracted type a people call that behavior Mm. just doing the doing and not the being yeah and i do want to clarify mindfulness because some people might hear the word mindfulness and think oh well that's about thinking Hmm. or being intellectual or overanalyzing, which is a huge problem in our society. Hmm. So mindfulness means being present, mm-hmm. not thinking. <laughs> it's right. actually not thinking, even though yeah. the word has the word mind in it. Mindfulness is actually kind of a tough word, I think, because it is. there are so many associations mm-hmm. with it, both positive and negative. Yeah, that's why I like to use the word presence. Okay, yeah. Rather than mindfulness. Yeah. 
Um, because if you think of a mindfulness meditation, what is your mind full of? You know, we were trying to empty the mind a little bit, or at least train just, it to take a back seat. Or just connectedness. I like the word connectedness. Because right. really, mindfulness is about being connected to your current experience. Right. So ideally, so let's say something happens to you that makes you angry. Mm -hmm. Ideally, you are sufficiently connected with yourself and with your emotional body, if you will, mm -hmm. in that moment. Yes. That you experience that anger. Mm -hmm. You channel that anger in that moment you have that angry moment mm -hmm. and then that anger is dissipated from you in, in theory a, yes in a sense mm -hmm. right yeah what usually happens is that you feel angry and then there's this little voice in your head of your your mother when you're a kid telling you now don't be angry right yeah <laughs> don't be angry don't right? make a scene little boys don't cry so you bottle that anger and then you're like <laughs> right. okay i'm good i'm good i'm good i'm not i'm not angry mm -hmm. and then that anger stays and you made your mother happy. So right. you learned that <laughs> bottling the anger makes your mother happy. And now, you want to do that. And there are different ways to describe that, right? We can, it, it's, I think in this metaphysical realm, it's, we have a good language for, for describing that because we can literally just say that it's in the emotional body, like it never left or, or, or whatnot. Mm -hmm. you, we could also say though that there's a, like so it, in the, um, if we want to just use psychological, scientific terminology, you could say that there's a trauma there that mm -hmm. was never fully experienced. Fully experienced or processed, some people right. say. Right. Right. So you're that mm -hmm. that pattern of thought, uh, that object remains in your psyche, mm -hmm. uh, and it's a little splinter that stays there, mm -hmm. and that's that's an unprocessed trauma. Right. And it will eat away at the physical body. Right. It will start to use the energy of the cells of the organs or the skin or the thyroid or the heart. Mm -hmm. How many people who have, how many women who have had breast cancer or how many men who have had a heart attack or women have had some kind of heartbreak they haven't processed? There's a lot of anecdotal evidence for that. Obviously, there, a aren't, lot. there aren't, you know, large studies sort of looking at um, no because the study the, the money's going toward the medicines and the surgeries and the robots and but, it's just i can't think of an ethical way to study it to begin with um, well right but, i know and well, a lot of people won't even admit what's really going on sometimes i have to extract it because they don't want to just be forthcoming with that <laughs> you know I'll say what's bothering you oh nothing everything's fine but it's not and so I'll, I might use tarot cards I might talk to their higher self I will find out what's going on mm. um, now that doesn't mean I can uncover every secret you have you know some people are afraid that I'm going to find out something terrible that they've done or um, sometimes I do <laughs> but not usually if that's something they really don't want me to know, they can block that from me. And so people shouldn't be afraid because I want to help them. I'm not here to judge anybody. Non-judgment is a huge piece of what I do. And sometimes just the non-judgment of what the person's going through helps them to heal. That's kind of amazing to me. Hmm. Because no matter what they've done or been through, it's not for me to judge. It's for me to help them shift their awareness around it, help them to shift their perception of it, 
that it wasn't awful or bad or tragic or traumatic. Right. Those are all labels of the mental faculty. And so in that sense, you are being a therapist. Well, I don't call myself that, but I am <laughs> right, a right. consultant. I'm a spiritual yes. life consultant. Yes. Right. It's a, it's a similar, um, it's a similar job description in the sense of mm-hmm. you're helping people to change the way that they view things, to, to process traumatic events in the past tense. Right. First of all, I'm helping them to recognize that they can change or that yeah. they can change their pattern. Some people don't realize. They'll just sit here and say, well, this is who I am. Mm. They don't realize they, that they have the control or the power to change. Right. We get really And to feel to better. Right. Yeah, we think a personality is who we are because we've worked so hard on it. Right. To create it and become who we are. That's not who we truly are, but it is a part of us as humans. Mm-hmm. But when somebody's coming in here and they've got thyroid cancer or something to do with the throat chakra and they've never stood up for themselves, they've never set boundaries with people, they can't say no to anybody, I'm not surprised. Mm -hmm. That's what's so interesting about these ancient uh, healing practices. There really is a sophisticated uh, set of, of... treatments or uh, a really techniques techniques yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. because like think about that you bring up the throat chakra and there are all these associated uh, disease processes Mm -hmm. and um, the idea of um, you know a shaman identifying a problem with the throat chakra and then telling somebody to be be better about opening up with people or whatever because mm-hmm. that's that's sort of like the the what goes awry with the throat chakra is you're blocking energy there you're not telling right. people what you think right that's right or you're not you're not setting boundaries with them you're not saying no to them you're saying if you want me to do this I'll do this you know like I'll just let you take advantage of me mm-hmm. <laughs> because I want you to love me that's not what's going on in their head but that's what's going on in their unconscious mind mm-hmm. or their subconscious mind Right, and so if you address that, and the, I guess the idea then is that their energy is flowing better in the throat chakra. Yes. Right, in that area of their body, they have yes. more. Now, is that going to cure thyroid cancer? I can't say. Um, I would certainly never uh, claim that that is going to cure thyroid cancer. <laughs> right. That is not a behavior that changes overnight. It wasn't a behavior that was created overnight. Right. And so um, I would still recommend they see a specialist for that yeah. because once it has manifested physically, we don't know. I mean, we hear about miracles all the time, so I think anything is possible. But there has to be a 100% belief that that's possible in the person, not me. Right. They don't need to believe in me. They need to believe in their ability to heal themselves. Well, that's very important. To clarify, this is not; these aren't cures, right? No. These, this is. They uh, can be, and they have been, but never do we claim that this could be the cure. This is more of a wellness approach. It is right, a um, wellness-based yeah. approach where you it are is a complementary approach. Yeah, or a um, what's the word? Uh, preventative. 
Yeah, know. it's preventative. Um, although, if it's already happened, like the cancer in the thyroid, mm-hmm. which, by the way, is the easiest cancer to cure okay. with, um, with medications or with surgery by removing it. Okay. But um, you, can, you can still facilitate wellness in that area. That's and right. Thereby treat a, a treat a, a progressed condition. Sure. Just like we know that how many movies show the person is dead. They're laying there, and then the the, the lover comes up and kisses them, and it brings <laughs> them back to life. You know, the love. There's something about energy, the energy of love or light, as we call it in, um, you know, like Reiki and other healing arts energy healing arts right um there is a component to that that is just pure life force energy that does support whatever's going on there does that make sense yeah so an analogy would be adding nitrous to your car okay right (laughs) it's gonna give it a boost it's gonna give you more horsepower just an aside you're you're a car racer right i I am am. (laughs) a little bit into the sport yeah of, is that the uh, term car racer? That's probably not the term. Uh, sport driver. Sport driver. You're, you're a sport driver. Yes. Yes. So adding nitrous, um, this is like adding the energy to that area. It's going to give it a little boost, but is it a cure? I. You can't just run the car only on nitrous. You also have mm. to have the fuel, the pet, the petroleum, you know, the gasoline. And what's the analogy you're saying that the nitrous, the nitrous gives it a is- boost. And what gives the what healing gives the a bo- boost? What gives the healing a boost in the body? The energy. The energy. Oh, so like the energy that you would offer in a session. The energy I would offer on the table in a session okay. through that I channel through my hands. Right. Which Reiki is one of those okay. types of forms of healing, um, and it's just hands-on healing that's been done for thousands and thousands of years. Just like when you, when someone's upset and you want to comfort them, when you put your hand on them, you're actually transmitting some energy that helps them. It's interesting. Like Qigong is, uh, it's like a an energy practice mm-hmm. yes. that's used here, but in China, it's used as a sort of a like a treatment. It is used sort of, as a yeah, treatment. like they they literally have hospitals and and doctor offices that are centered around obviously traditional Chinese medicine and then they have Qigong practitioners who will just sit there and like and they just through people and just give them energy yeah they do and I've seen a video I don't know if you've seen the same one with the patient on the table the Qigong masters doing their not even touching the patient you know they're just standing and transmitting energy and on the live monitor the cancer is disappearing really yeah wow. now is it the Qigong practitioners that are doing it no or is it's it the, the person yeah belief mm-hmm. in the qigong masters yes now okay so that opens up a whole can of worms it does <laughs> yay worms <laughs> yeah uh, oh man because uh that's why we're here and i think what i'm about to say is more of a, a teaser for the next episode of this okay. podcast rather right. than like our next point okay but like so some people would say, no, the, the, the Qigong energy, the Reiki energy, it's like measurable, like that's a thing, like you're transmitting energy to the person. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a whole line of thought in which like there is a metaphysical energy or whatnot. Mm-hmm. There's another school of thought that says, kind of like you just said, uh, that what's actually taking place is in the mind of the patient, right? Mm-hmm. Or, right. or the client. 
Um, I think that's the biggest catalyst for healing. I'm not saying that I don't believe that there's energy coming from the Qigong master's hands. I do. Right. I understand a little bit about quantum mechanics enough to understand that there's definitely energy being transmitted. I have had too many experiences of energy work that um, just can't be explained otherwise. Okay, just, but the the idea that what's most important is, mm -hmm. is happening in the mind of the client, mm -hmm. I think is uh, even, right, like you're saying, even if there is actually some sort of metaphysical energy being transmitted by the Qigong master, mm -hmm. um, certainly there's a lot going on in the mind of the client, mm -hmm. right? And that, mm -hmm. that client believes that he or she is being healed. Mm -hmm. And that is a powerful thing. That is an, a right. healing um, intention that is yes. established by the person. Or it could be called a prayer. It could be called a prayer. Mm -hmm. It could also be called, and I'm going to, I'm going to use the dirty <gasps> word. Drum roll. Placebo. Placebo. <laughs> it could be called placebo. <laughs> It right? could be, yeah. And um, I think that's a topic for future discussions. I don't want to Definitely. get into all of that right now. Definitely. Definitely. I want to talk also about another technique that I use. Almost every client that comes in, I ask them if they have any chronic pain or if they have any discomfort in their body. Years ago, maybe within the past decade, I had a client come in to see me. Here's a little story to okay. lead up to it. She came in and she said, I want you to remove my ego. Okay. Now, ego being used as a term that means inner critic, dual self, lower self, the part of us that is uh, responsible for fear and anxiety. Okay. Everything negative. Every negative thought comes from this blanket term, we're going to use ego. So she said, I want you to remove my ego. And I sat there and I thought, well, I'm going to have to kill you. That's the only way. <laughs> There's no way to do that because that's what makes us human. So you that's killed her. What I did not. And you're confessing here no, I did on not. the podcast. I did not. She's still okay. alive and well. Um, but what I did was I connected up with her higher, higher self, as I always do. And I said, well, instead of saying that's not possible, because I always want to ask what else is possible, I said, higher self, what have you got for me? Do you have, how do we do this? And I was almost kind of jokingly asking, you know, mm. <laughs> because I'm like, I don't think this is possible. And then it said, here's what you do. And it showed me a technique, which I call the ego removal technique. And I can perform in conjunction with the person's higher self, that technique to temporarily um, separate the ego portion of their energy body or their mental body place it in another dimension so they can have an experience of who they truly are. Hmm. This is the most amazing technique I have ever come across, well, to date. And um, so we did it. She felt immediately different. I've been using this technique on almost everyone ever since, probably for, I would say, almost a decade, if not longer now. Um, so when I ask a person if they have some chronic pain, I don't tell them why I'm asking. I just, I'm just curious. And then I say, I'm, I'm going to try a technique. Let's just try this. And um, so I said, do you mind if I do a technique that's just going to remove some negative particles from your energy field? Sure. Everybody wants negativity removed, right? Yeah. Um, and so I do the technique and instantly I'll say, well, how is the pain? Sometimes it's gone. Sometimes it's greatly lessened. I have even heard from people that say it's never come back. Now, 
I'm not claiming to have healed something, but I am claiming to have pointed out that it was their mind that was creating it. Mm -hmm. Even mm -hmm. over the phone, I have removed people's pain. Now, I don't know if it's temporary or permanent. I don't often talk to people afterwards, but um, even over the phone, because I can do everything remotely that I can do in person, pretty much, except for hypnosis. Mm. I prefer to do that in person. But um, removing pain with that technique. Now, it doesn't always remove pain. But if the pain is related to just fear and it hasn't manifested as something worse yet, then um, it's kind of an amazing thing That's to experience. Yeah. And then it, wor it works up to two hours. It's disconnected for up to two hours unless they need it for fight or flight. When they're on the road leaving my office, it will jump right back in to help them. It will as the ego? The ego. Yes. Very interesting. It's like it's being displaced into another dimension. but never truly like 100% cut off. I can't do that. Right. And I, I merge with their higher self to do it, so I don't have any karma on me. It's karmic to remove a person's human component, <laughs> you know? I don't mm -hmm. want that kind of karma. And that's another whole discussion too, karma, <laughs> which is a concept yeah. that we have. But that's what I was told by that woman's higher self. And ever since, everybody else's higher self knows what to do. So, so there's like this, this uh, collective higher self. It's like if I talk to your higher self or somebody else's, it's like they're all on the same network too, just like we are. Yeah, which is like Carl Jung's idea of the collective unconscious. Right. Um, so there's this really cool book called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Yes. Mm -hmm. By Dr. Joe Dispenza. Yep, I've read it. Cool. So mm -hmm. he talks a lot about the idea of ego, mm -hmm. right, ultimately, and um, how we get stuck in patterns of mm -hmm. thinking we are a certain way mm -hmm. and then being a certain right. way. There's also another book that talks a lot about that, Vishnu Speaks. <laughs> written, Messages. Written by one Cindy Riggs. <laughs> of enlightenment Riggs. from the ancient deity. Yeah. Yes. Channeled by me. Yes. Um, that book changed my life. So helpful. So to the point. And yeah, helpful. It actually is a very excellent book. So I thank you I and thank you on behalf of the Supreme Hindu God, yes. Vishnu. My um, buddy. <laughs> right. Um, so So that ego removal is pretty fascinating and it even uh, removed some negative things that a person was seeing in her home. Seeing them seeing things written on the wall trying to take pictures of it, which I couldn't see anything in the pictures, but she could. It's and when I removed the ego, all of that disappeared. So that was being created by the fear. It's interesting that you could have an effect on that as a third party, right? That you could, right. that you could remove the ego temporarily. Because I have the cooperation of the higher self. I have the permission of the higher self. The higher self wants the person to be happy and in communion with it, operating more from it. But so I've never had a higher self say, no, don't do this. <laughs> I've had humans say, no, don't do it. And I've had a few who resisted it so much that it didn't work. Then we need to talk about their control issues. <laughs> really? I mean, their fear of being, you know, 
their fear of change. Yeah. So, and that we'll we'll talk more about that next time when we have our big discussion about the the internal healing uh, mechanism slash placebo. Yes. And how I'm excited about that. And how another person, such as a psychic or therapist or whatnot, could potentially help somebody to overcome mm -hmm. uh, an internal dynamic. So let's talk more a little bit more about that. So I could use hypnosis. I could use energy work. Often I use both at the same time. I usually do the ego removal technique. I have a technique I've been taught by sp the spirit world that I call restoring to factory settings, <laughs> where I can pull all the negative particles out of those each of those bodies, mental, emotional, and physical, and then replace that or spackle that with light. Now, Find and replace, if you're, you're a word user. <laughs> <laughs> when you're with a client, mm -hmm. how do they tend to respond to those sorts of things? Like do some, are there, are there negative responses? Only once in a great while. When the person thinks they want help, thinks they want to change, but then they're too afraid of it. Okay. So they resist what I'm doing. Might say that unconsciously they don't actually want change. Mm, maybe. I don't really know what's going yeah. on there. But, you know, some the people who say, oh, I want help, but then they really don't. Mm -hmm. You know, like, help me, doctor, but then they don't take the medicine. Right. You know, <laughs> so, but I would say, and I feel very blessed and honored that most of my clients send me very positive feedback. And I have a lot of that feedback on my website. CindyRiggs.com on the testimonials page. No, there, it's really, there we go. It's really, um, if I'm ever down on myself, I, I, <laughs> I go to that page because it reminds oh, me that, um, and it happens, you know, happens to all of us. All right, so let's review quickly what we talked about. Mm -hmm. We, uh, we the talked. Mind definitely has something to do with the physical body state. Yes. Yes. Yes, definitely there is, uh, we can, we can debate, um, as to why that is and exactly what to do about it, but we know that there is a connection between the mental um, and the physical. Mm -hmm. And, and we, one of the best books out there about that is You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. Okay. Uh, we know that, um, what else, do, what else do we talk about? <laughs> well, we talked, we mentioned placebo, and that's a teaser for the next time. Yeah. And um, we talked about some techniques that I utilize to help people. Mm -hmm. Hypnosis is a very powerful one, but practicing something every day is most powerful. But the biggest thing, I think, is the person has to be ready to change their mind about the issue. Right. Or change the mind about their behavior. Okay, so let's leave people with some practical tips. I think that a perfect yes. follow-on to this discussion would be to read Joe Dispenza's book. That, yeah, that's um, a good one. Yeah. Um, he also has another one called You Are the Placebo, uh, ah, which is yes. really cool. But uh -huh. that's for next time. Right. Um, uh, Having a daily practice, like you said, is good. That, of meditation or yoga right. or just, you called it mindfulness, I call it presence. It can be literally anything you know, that facilitates presence You can be staring at a candle or you can stare at a plant or you can hold your cat on your lap and just be with the cat, not thinking about anything else. Right. Just thinking about the cat or your baby, your new baby or... Or another, th and another thing that I think we can do is we can get in the habit of processing emotions as they arise. 
right? So like when you feel Definitely. when someone cuts you off on the highway and you feel anger, just be like, oh, that's anger. Like that's interesting. I am angry, and just be like, yes, yes I am angry. That person's a jerk, and just like experience that and let it go, mm-hmm. right? Right. Because only when you fully experience that and you let that's it right. sort of like bubble up into your consciousness and then dissipate, mm-hmm. does it actually go away and right. not get bottled up. But to eliminate anger, to eliminate even going there, you know, in the future, to eliminate even being angry is realize you choose the way you perceive whatever's happening. True, but anger isn't necessarily and always a bad thing. It isn't. No, it's not always a bad thing. Right. But if that's something that's really getting in the way of your life. True. If you Then it's time to control your thoughts. If we can control our thoughts, we can control our lives. And so if people don't understand what that means or don't know how to get started. The Law of Attraction by Esther Hicks is one of the best books for that. Hmm. It, I think it's also on audio, if people prefer audio. It is, it is. <laughs> so um, get, get, at least entertain the idea that you can change and that you can be happy. And then start taking the steps to be that present and happy person. Thank you, and thank yourself for taking the time to entertain some new spiritual concepts today. I hope it has been interesting and or helpful. You can find Cindy's channel books on Amazon. Kindle versions also available. And visit my website, cindyriggs.com.